Star Wars Story Podcast, a podcast honoring the stories of Star Wars, the characters within them, and the people who love them. Today, we will be discussing Padme, the things we love about her character, the most memorable moments of her story told through the prequel films, and Queen Shadow. Welcome to a Star Wars Story Podcast. I'm your host, Brooklyn. I'm your other host, Delaney. And today, we are going to be talking about the one and only Padme. Ugh, I love her so much. So much love for her. So much love. We just, we, we love Padme so much. And we talked, we talked about her a lot in our Phantom our Phantom Menace episode. Um, and in this episode between, um, uh, which will come out between, um, our Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones episode, we wanted something that would kind of bridge the gap. And we have a book that bridges the gap that is all about Padme. And so what better time frame for us to highlight how much we love this character. Um, and that book, if you don't know, is Queen Shadow that came out earlier this year, written by E.K. Johnston. Um, and we're just going to cover... So if you haven't read Queen Shadow yet and you want to stay spoiler-free until you get there, feel free not to listen, honestly, to just kind of this whole episode because we're going to be going back and forth with this back uh, to Queen Shadow quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so that we are going to be talking about Padme in the entirety of her arc that we get to know her. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's really important that we like heavily talk about Queen Shadow because obviously, you know, for most people, the films are a primary source of content for people who know Padme, but because we just got this book and, I'm not sure if a lot of people have read it yet or who's read it. And it honestly has like a lot of really good content um, relevant to her character. And yeah, yeah again, if you informs a lot of the choices that get made by Padme. Yeah. And yeah, like if, like Brooklyn said, if you don't want to be spoiled, maybe don't listen to this episode, but once you read the book, come back and join us after you read it. Um, because we'd love to have a conversation about this book with you. Um, yes. But the first introduction that we see, obviously, is Phantom Menace, Padme and Phantom Menace. And this is our introduction into her character, but it's also our introduction into the, like, the de- all the decoys, all the handmaiden decoys. Um, yes. And we really, we really touched on that in our Phantom Menace episode, but this is, like, our very first introduction to you know, who she is as a queen, um, how her handmaidens play into that, and kind of, you know, how she is able to kind of use her age and her innocence to her benefit in a lot of situations. And yeah. and this is where we see that first in this movie. Yeah. And we see, this is something that is explicitly said within um, Queen Shadow, but we we physically see in Phantom Menace is that the handmaidens know that like people are when the, people see them they they only see their youth and their clothing and they are dismissed and that's the way that they like it like they have create like curated this presence about them that they the handmaidens are completely anonymous. Behind, like you do not notice the handmaidens the way that you notice Padme, and like the juxtaposition between like that's also where like we learn a lot in Queen Shadow, but we can also see and just kind of you know 
determine that like so much of like Padme's clothing it's all very very intentional and it all has purpose and one of the elements of that purpose is that having Queen Amidala's dress always be so elaborate also allows like the the handmaidens to be plain in comparison and so with that plainness they're able to like blend into the background which is what they want yeah yeah and yeah we really get to see we really get to see it visually in you know a smaller context in this movie and yeah we get to really read about it in queen shadow but yeah it's it's really really interesting and it's really really cool and i love that you know people look at them and they take them at face value and that makes them all the more powerful because they underestimate them and you should never underestimate them. That's the thing you should know right off the bat. Never underestimate um, them. When I was reading this back, because I read Queen Shadow when it came out, and I was like, re- just reading back some of my favorite passages. Um, and it reminded me almost of like Black Widow in the Marvel movies where she does the same thing where she weaponizes her own femininity and she like knows the effect that it has on men. And she uses that to like blind them and to get, get what she wants. And it, the handmaidens are definitely in a much less weaponized way, but it is still just as purposeful in what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, so so cool and it's really really unique I feel like um even though we do see that with of course yeah Black Widow and it's a really interesting like story arc I really really like it and it has always drawn me to her character um amongst other things that have drawn me to her character but that's a huge one um but yeah I I definitely think that there's a lot to be learned from just like just the strategy and everything that they emulate at such a young age is just mm-hmm. so cool, so powerful. Um, yeah. It's really, really cool. I love it so much. Yeah, and like that femininity, like there is the idea, like in the cultural zeitgeist of like a strong like a a strong female character or a like, you know, yeah, just like the strong female character has, especially it's something that was used as like a, like as a positive thing in in a lot. And it is in a lot of ways saying like, Oh, you play such a strong female character. And I think that a lot of the, um, there's like a, almost like a, like a backlash to it, but not quite backlash. That seems a little bit violent, but like there has the discourse around it is that like, a, you don't need to be a quote unquote strong female character to be a like well-written female character or to be a good female character. Agreed. He saying strong female character is still like subtly playing to the theme that like, male and masculine is the default and is like the standard for goodness and and is the stat standard for like being great and I think that Padme really like 
I mean, I would say yes, like Padme is such a strong female character in the best way. And she uses her femininity and her strength in the best way. And, and that strength doesn't reside in any kind of masculine energy. I think that when we think of strong female characters, at least when we're talking about it, like in the stereotypical sense, we're talking about people like Wonder Woman, like Carol Danvers, people who are like these awesome female characters, but like are very physically strong and are physically like punching people who are physically like you play a strong female character, you punch the bad guys. And I would say that Padme is just as strong without that like physical force. Like we obviously see her like, you know, aggressive negotiations when it comes down to it, she's willing to put up a fight, but that is so her last resort. And like, that is not where her strength resides is not in her like ability to fight. It resides in like her political prowess in her femininity, in her dress and her, like in everything that she does. And I just, I just love her. Yeah, no, I absolutely like 1000% agree with that. Like, absolutely. And yeah, I think that strength isn't something that, you know, it's not like something that is easily defined or easily because it comes in so many different forms and strength doesn't even like strength doesn't determine validity and strength doesn't determine um, like, I guess, like worthiness even. But yeah, if yeah, like we see physical, physically strong characters, we also see like mentally strong characters. We see like intellectual characters we see characters that have just endured a lot and that makes them that makes their resolve you know stronger so yeah I I definitely think that it's worth noting that yeah we see like her strength manifests in her own unique way and I think that that can be said for every single person every single person has a strength that manifests in its own way um yeah but yeah, no, I I absolutely like completely completely agree with that. Like a thousand percent agree. Mm-hmm. And we see Padme like one of the ways that she has this strength and this power is politically. Like it's not just like the political strength that is endowed into her being a queen and later as a senator. Like there is just some inherent power, political power that comes with that. But she is just very politically keen and she knows what she wants. She knows what standards that she's going by. Like, and we see that in the Phantom Menace when she stands up to, stands up to Chancellor Valorum and she says like, I call for a vote of no confidence. And she like changes the Senate to help her and to help her own, her own planet. And in Queen's Shadow, we see that this, this becomes like a a very hard point for people for senators to get over because many of the senators much of the senate when padme becomes senator were were there when she you know upended the entire senate for her planet and so you know if that's her track record in the senate you can understand why people are a little hesitant to maybe back her because it's like you care about your planet and nothing else and it takes her a minute to kind of create allies in the senate and it's because of this moment and she never i mean as far as i remember in the book she never like outright says like 
oh, I regret this. Like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like, it's never that. It's a, like, this is a choice that I made. I'm not going to apologize for that choice. But now I need to figure out how to prove to everyone that that choice is not every choice that I make. Which I really liked that she wasn't, like, like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, I wish I hadn't, like, no, she, she, she picked Naboo. She was the queen of Naboo. Of course she was going to help them and to vote for them and to try and help them the best that they could. And so we just, we see that like political power that she has in this, in this movie and in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. Um, no protest from me on that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, there's so many, so many layers to this character and to this story. And um, yeah, and I think a huge, a huge chunk of it that we were missing up until recently was Queen Shadow, which is really, really cool that we got that this year. Um, And I am so glad that we're getting more Padme content in the year of our Lord 2019 um but give me every Padme content yeah I I love it and I think we're overdue but I'm glad that we're getting it um also like the whole idea that like Disney hates the prequels like that that's a thing that like that's a narrative that people like to I don't know put forward that like oh Disney like they don't even mention anything that's happening in the prequels and the sequel trilogy. Like, Disney's practically ignoring them. and do- Which, like, I'm sorry, but we've gotten Queen Shadow and now Master and Apprentice, like, two full novels that were set in the prequel era. We've got Clone Wars coming back. Palpatine is in R- Rise of Skywalker. Like, we are in, like, a renaissance of the prequels and our love for them, and I, like, could not be happier. And, like... Yeah, it's amazing. Getting her due is just the smallest part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. Like, it's... We're overdue, but I'm glad we're finally getting it. Because it's kind of, like, better late than never. Like, I would have preferred to have gotten it sooner, but I'm glad that we're getting it. So... I yeah, but I'm so glad if that yeah, again, if you haven't if you're still listening to this and you haven't read this book, please go add it to your to be read list like ASAP. Yeah. Um because it's so good. Um but yeah, I think that we get a lot of content from this book that is really 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 good. Um and we get a lot of content that's specifically from her transition from queen to whatever else she's going to choose to do next, which a lot of the beginning of this book is kind of, you know, TBD to be determined. Um, Obviously we know from the movies what she goes on to do, but this book kind of looks at this transitional period in her life um, of her deciding where she's going to go next. One of like the most heartbreaking lines is when like a lot of this book is her trying to figure out like what does her future hold what does she want to do because like hi when you're queen at 14 and then you have to come back down from that like 
this is a young adult book, so it's like the the epitome of teenage identity crisis, and she's having like the opposite of every other teenager. Whereas like a normal teenage identity crisis is like like I don't know what I'm doing. Like I had like who am I? What am I doing? Like I'm trying to come into myself, and Padme's almost the opposite, where she's like. I was this person. I was this huge presence. And now who am I without that? And it's such an interesting like flip on that. But one of the lines that she says, like she says, I don't remember how exactly it's said, but basically it said that Padme thought, like always thought in her brain that eventually Padme Nabri, which is like her family last name rather than like the name she took as queen, that like she would always come back and she would be able to return and just build a life on Naboo after she was done, like, serving the public. And she would always, like, that was always in her head that eventually Padme would be able to go home and be able to be this person and live out the rest of her life. And, like, yeah, that's, that's the tragedy of anything in, in the prequel, in prequel era content is you know how the story ends and you know that, like, Padme doesn't get that and Padme doesn't get to live that happy ending and it's so sad and if anyone deserves it it's her like she deserves it so much yeah she does and it's truly tragic um that how how our story ends um but yeah we get a lot of content from this book um and it kind of opens up with kind of seeing we kind of get a really good behind the scenes look at the decoy maneuver for all of the handmaidens, um, yeah. which is really cool, which is like the content that I am like here for. I'm so excited about that. And um, it's really neat to see that it has to be like, they have to be like locked in because like anything that's, you know, not right could be the thing that gives it away to someone. So they have to be, like, completely, like, on their game. Yep. Which, I mean, hey, that's, like, amazing that they're, oh, yeah. like, and you, organized you to that the, degree. The, the, like, linchpin to the decoy maneuver is that once whoever is the decoy, which for Padme was always Sabe, that's the other thing that you learn. It's it's not like interchangeable. Every single one of the handmaidens could have been her. Like she, Sabe was the person who had her voice down, who had like all of her mannerisms, like who looked the most like her. Like she was the one who would step in in case of a decoy maneuver. And what kept that all together was as soon as she was in that outfit, as soon as she was, as soon as Sabe was Amidala. She was the one making the decisions. She could never ask Padme. She could never look to Padme and be like, what should we do? Because that gives it away. And like, even if it's in the most subtle of ways, like if you get the right person, they'll figure it out. And you can't risk that. And so we see like in The Phantom Menace, when we hear the line, like, we are brave, your highness. That was like a huge moment because like, they just asked Sabe if the queen should leave the entire planet that is under attack. That's a huge decision. And that was Padme's way of signaling to her in a way that was so subtle to say, yes, this is a decision I would make. You need to do this. And 
it is, like, the trust the handmaidens have. Like, they say it a lot of times in the book. Like, it is very hard to understand the bond of the handmaidens if you are not a handmaiden. Like, it's almost impossible to describe to other people. And that is part of it, is the, like, that trust is just goes so deep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, yeah, it's they have to be a tight-knit group because that's how this works. Um, Or else they would all fall apart. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting, too, that we really get a look, a really in-depth look at what it's like to be Padme versus what it's like to be Padme Amidala, the queen. Um, Because there is a difference. Um, It's a persona that she has created for herself. And like you you hear it in in the phantom menace and you if you listen you can hear it in attack of the clones as well that padme the senator padme the queen and padme all have very different voices and the way that she talks is you know very simple like in the like people code switch all the time you know you talk differently to your mom though you talk to your friends like it's that same idea to a heightened degree where you have this like that like deep rich voice for Amidala and it also helps in that decoy maneuver that if you have a voice that is not Padme's that is not her own it is easier to match because it's not their own and I think even like Sabe says at one point like there is a voice that Padme uses that is like not even the voice that Padme would use with her friends, but like the voice that she uses when she's talking to her parents, when she's talking to her family. And she's like, that is the most pure Padme Nabari voice. And she's like, and Sabe says like, I would never even try to replicate that because that is so personal to her. And it is like, you see that she has, that Padme does almost for her own, like, benefit, for her own, like, mental stability, but also so she can help function and help, like, her handmaidens function and the way that she has to live her life and just the way that her life is dictated, it has to Yeah, and we also mentioned this also, but the fact that, yeah, like, her dresses are weaponized, which is so cool. Like, so cool. Um, I, that just, to me, I just love it. I really love it. Um. Yeah, because it combines it combines femininity with her strategy of you know how how she approaches what kind of queen she's gonna be and um I love that we get the combination of those two and when people see obviously it's a facade but when we people see that they're you know very clearly just like oh well you know she's younger and you know whatever and they take it at face value and it's like no she her dresses are straight up weaponized like back up you know what I mean like so I think that's so cool I really 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 love it um and I also love that we get a lot more a lot more descriptive looks at the lake country in this book um, because that's yes. something that I like forever will love more content of, and I forever need more content of. Yeah, and it is like this: the the thing that appeals, the Lake Country appeals to Padme, is that 
it allows her this anonymity. Like she could really like, it is so secluded. There's this solitude and in that anonymity, she really can be herself. Like you see this greenness in her that she really craves. And you can, you can see how she wants to like, while she loves what she does and she loved being the queen and she loves being of service. And like, something that she says about Padme, about Naboo is that like we are here to serve and to serve each other like that is so- something that like she holds very in very high esteem but she's still a person and she still has this craving for this like very personal like solitude and this very like this ability to be like a vulnerable person and I think that a lot of that is why she ends up falling for Anakin is because Anakin becomes like this reprieve for her that she doesn't need to go away to this lake country she can just be like as soon as she is alone in the room with Anakin like she is able to let those walls come down she's able to just be Padme and I think that is something that eventually will appeal to her yeah Absolutely. Yeah, it's it there is a lot of anonymity in that and I I don't see how that couldn't appeal. I mean, like that's I feel like that's appealing to most people just being especially at the st- you know, at the stage that she's basically on every day where you know, she is in the public eye and she does not live a life of anonymity. And so being able to kind of seclude herself every now and then and being able to kind of have moments to herself or at least moments to herself and her handmaidens, I think is so important to just to maintain, I feel like it maintains like a level of sanity, maybe even like just being able to take yep. time for yourself and, you know, self care in, in any way that you can. Um, but yeah, I really like that we get, we basically get Lake country content, like right off the bat in this book, which is like amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. I also really, really, really love that this, you know, we, we go from in the movies, we go from, you know, her being younger and obviously she's the queen, but her being younger. And then we see her in Attack of the Clones where she's much more grown up and there has clearly been a chunk of time that has passed that we have not seen. And There's a lot of, I feel like, time that passes where, you know, in any period of life, in any period of transition, I think she's come to be so attached to this role that she's had to cultivate for herself, where when she no longer has to serve that role, it's kind of like, who am I? You know, like, who who am I really? And who am I when I'm not the queen of Naboo? And... I, I love that we get a look at that in this book where it's like, not only where am I going next, but also what, what am I going to look like in the next stage of my life? Because it's going to be so different than what I've done. So I like that we get a look at her kind of like self-examination of her own identity, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And something that like, she like that is explored in the book is that because she she is like a new queen is elected and that new queen asks her to be 
the new senator for Naboo, and she kind of tries to translate everything about her being a queen into being a um, into being a senator, like including the dress and the voice and everything. And it very quickly you very quickly see the like, oh, this doesn't work. Like being in these elaborate, you know, Naboo dresses just makes me more of an outsider. It just reinforces that I'm, you know, this, you know, that I am only for Naboo and I'm not for the Senate. And using this voice, like, makes it, like, gives her, like, a depth or an authority that she may not have earned yet in the Senate. And so she kind of has to, like, dial it back and figure out, like, even down to the clothes that she wears, like, okay, what am I going to wear? Like, what, like, something that I really loved about that like transition is that she still like she basically stylizes closer to what the style of the of Coruscant is and what the Senate is but all of like she makes sure that everything that she is wearing is still like made by the people of Naboo or is still influenced by like it's influenced by but just toned down from the culture of Naboo and like made more like appropriate quote unquote for the Senate and it was just like those those details like where she's still honoring her own heritage and she's still honoring where she comes from and realizing that it has to change from her being a queen yeah absolutely and I think that's like I think that that is a really neat part that we get to look at where it's that transitional stage of she's not completely abandoning her heritage um, and she's not, you know, fully stepping into this new identity as a completely new person. She's bridging the gap where we're seeing her recognize where she's, where she came from, but also looking forward to where she's going at the same time. And I think that's really cool. I think it's, that is literally the epitome of mindfulness. Um, but yep. but I just think it's really cool to look at that. Um, that's a really neat thing that we got to see from her character. Um, but yeah, I mean, amongst everything else in this book. But yeah, I think it's really interesting too that, you know, we get to see her um, really like kind of come into her own in the sense that we're seeing her realize that she is now only living on behalf of just Padme and she's not living a double life essentially. So there's going to be like a little bit of inconsistency as she transitions, but we get to see her realize that, you know, I, I no longer have to be essentially two not two different people but have you know my my actual personality and then have this personality that I have cultivated for this role in my life so I think that it's really neat that we get to see her her own transition of oh I I don't have to Hannah Montana it you know I can just be me um which is really neat and I just Oh my gosh, I I like severely underestimated like how emo this episode was gonna make me, but that's okay. <laughs> like I'm like getting it's very fine. emo. I'm like getting really I'm getting so emo talking about this. Um but yeah. Yeah, I just I love it. It is, it's so good. 
And, like, something that we also see, like, because part of Palpatine's role in The Phantom Menace um, and going forward, like, the reason that they have a relationship between um, Padme and Palpatine is because he is the senator from Naboo. And so he is there. And so you have this familiarity where we see we know we're reading this from Padme's perspective and we know what Palpatine is doing because we know that he's the emperor and we know that he's Darth Sidious and we see Palpatine block Padme from like joining all of the councils that she wants because those are the ones that he's actually controlling and he doesn't want her derailing what he's doing and what blinds Padme to this is the familiarity there and is that like like she said like there are things that he says and there are things that he does where she's like that's kind of like not cringy, but, like, it feels weird. Like, it doesn't feel quite right. And, A, her familiarity of it allows her to, like, um, like, brush it off and to be like, oh, it's fine. Oh, this is okay. You know, like, oh, it's just, you know, it's the, like, oh, it's just, it's just grandpa kind of thing. Like, it's almost that same energy where it's like, oh, he's just, like, he's just doing that. And it's the, like, because he's from Naboo, he's able to, he knows her and he knows her very well. And so he's able to kind of fit into her blind spots where she doesn't quite realize that he is like, she knows that he's doing some amount of manipulation, but she thinks that it's like a, a in, on a purely political, like trying to like pros and cons weigh things out, which isn't the case. He's just legitimately manipulating her. But she's not able to see that, which we see from Palpatine throughout the entire prequel trilogy is that the people who could have stopped him before he got there, he knows how to find their blind spots and he knows how to reside there. He does it with Anakin. He does it with the Jedi Council. Like, that's how he got to where he got was he was able to identify the blind spots where he could operate. And that's where he stayed. Yeah, I yeah, we we talk about um, Palpatine's manipulation a lot in relation to Anakin, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention it in relation to Padme because he is also very close to Padme. And I, yeah, there's so many people that could have stepped up okay. and said, Hey, you know, like, what are you doing? Or confronted him. Really but gone. he knows, he knows the game. He knows the players. He knows the moves. Like he has this mapped out, like, seriously planned and i definitely think that um i don't know i I think that with especially with palpatine we see that we see the relationship between him and padme and it definitely does shift um because we can see that she's not super, super, like, trusting. Um, so she keeps him kind of at a distance. But I definitely think it's really, really, really interesting that we get to see 
the the inner monologue from Padme in this book, you know, when she interacts with Palpatine, because we see that. And I think it's really, really cool that we get to see her inner monologue. Um, but yeah, I, I just love it so much because in the movies, you know, we get, we get to see what she actually says and we get to see like their verbal exchanges. But with this, we get to see her inner thoughts of what she's thinking, like when they're having these exchanges and she might be saying, you know, I trust you or whatever, but we get to see what she's really thinking, which I think is really, really important. And I think is really cool. Um, just because I'm, I love inner monologues. I really do. I'm a sucker for them. And I also think, again, strong women supporting strong women. But I love that we get the connection to also to another strong female in the, these movies, which is Shmi. So that's yes. really, really cool. <laughs> Love that. Love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, yeah, women, women, strong women supporting strong women and just women supporting women in general. Like, I love it. I love it so much. Oh, my gosh. It gives me life. It really does. It fuels me, really. Like, it really does fuel me. <laughs> I <laughs> like, you. Yeah, like, oh, this is such good food. Like... It's so good, you guys. <laughs> it is. It's so good. I do want to... Let's talk about... Um, so in this book, it is it is revealed, which it's also been told that, like, it, this was said in other places, but not in, like, in-universe canon. It was, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. But that, basically, that Qui-Gon knew the entire time that they were employing the decoy maneuver and that Sabe was being Amidala and Padme was Padme. And because it wasn't like quite so widely well known, um, people kind of had mixed reactions to this reveal. How did you feel about this information? I mean, it really like knowing it and then watching the Phantom Menace again, it, like it's a totally different movie for me, um, yeah. Because it just changes like all those scenes, like, and especially, you know, like when they go when they go to Tatooine, just like any scene that they have together. I'm just like, it's just so interesting to me. Like it's mainly just like intriguing to me. I'm just because I because I rewatch that movie yeah. now and I'm just like blown away by it. Yeah, I. I actually like I was actually surprised when people were like what is this like I didn't like I don't like this I think it undermines like I I was surprised by the by the mixed reactions to it only because I had kind of always assumed I always thought that that was the case and so that's kind of the the lens that I always saw it in the in Queen Shadow it kind of explicitly says like um like, that he knew the entire time. I, I think the way that I always had it in my brain is, like, he kind of eventually, like, deduced what was going on. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I I had just always, 
autom- I had already assumed that, I think. So for me, I thought I was like, yes, this is a thing that happened. So it was really interesting. I think yeah. that we can't quite like keep going through this book without mentioning how this book creates a real relationship between Bail Organa and Padme Amidala. Oh my gosh. I, first of all, I love the way that they start because the first time you see them like actually interact is like they, it's, it's like kind of this whole sequence and basically like it begins with a lot of mistrust and like they don't really know who the other is. And like he catches her like when she's in the decoy maneuver, like without knowing it and like all of this stuff. And so they kind of start off on the wrong foot. And if you are familiar with her arcs in the Clone Wars at all, um, you know that Mina, Mo- Mina Bonteri was a character that, when we meet her in Clone Wars, is a separatist. And we also know that her and Padme had a relationship before the Clone Wars and before, like, the separatists left the Senate. And we see that sort of the, this, like, she almost falls into a very natural pattern and friendship with Mina Bonteri. And we also see that Mon Mothma and Bail Organa, two people who we know are going to be not only her allies, but like will be starting the rest of the rebellion. Like she kind of like grates against them a little bit, but what's amazing is like, I mean, and she is still very young at this point. She's a very young Senator and she still kind of has the wherewithal to look at, look around and to say like, I see that like, Mina Bonteri is the easier choice, but she sees what Mon Mothma and Bail Organa are doing and the ideals that they're fighting for, and she knows that, like, that is who she wants as her allies. And she, like, does the hard work, and she chooses that harder path to stay with the principles that she knows and that she wants to ally herself with. And I think that is so just telling for Padme's character that she knows that it's the harder path. She knows that it's going to be a little rougher and she's not going to rise as quickly as she might want, but this is the right call and she knows it and she sticks to her guns. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And then of course that their eventual friendship leads to Bail Organa inviting Padme to come to Alderaan and there is like an entire one, two-ish chapters that is just Padme being able to be on Alderaan and to meet Brea and to see Alderaan like in all of its glory. And essentially every sentence of those two chapters just like stabs you right in the heart. Yep. But like, a Padme sees Alderaan and she's she finds it so familiar and she's like this is so much like the geography like your ideals your like it is a it is a near it's like a sister planet to Naboo and so like of course like it just warms your heart because like Leia couldn't have been raised on Naboo but like being raised on Alderaan is a really close second and it's like really really close it's as close as you could get to act without actually being there yeah and 
Oh, it's so good. Oh my gosh. I just like, please give me more Alderaan content. Like I'm begging you. It's um, so I'm like begging for it at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I love that we get to see, um, their friendship and obviously this eventually leads to, you know, Bale and Brea becoming Leia's parents, um, once Padme, you know. What I I love about that is that, like, in Revenge of the Sith, it almost seems not random because, like, Bale Organa is, like, out there putting himself on the front lines, like, he's there and he's ready to take, he's ready to take Leia. But we see that, like, if Padme had to choose, we see the beginnings of this bond that, like, Bale would have, Bale and Brea, like, would have been at the top of this list. Because Brea has, like, we learned this in Princess of Alderaan, and here, like, she has, she got hurt as, as a young girl, and so she has, like, um, basically mechanical heart and lungs and so it would be very hard on her body to actually bear a child and to do so would require like both her and Bale to like basically take time off and give power to other people and that wasn't something that they could do and so they had kind of like her and Padme have this talk that like just absolutely like takes your heart out but they're talking about like their future children and they are talking about the differences between like an elected monarchy and a one that is like through familial bonds. And in this conversation, a, it, it introduces the concept that on Naboo being pregnant and being single are, is something that happens is quite common. That's something that, Leia said, or Padme says that her sister just has done. Um, and so that kind of explains why no one would question Padme being pregnant and no one would be like, oh, I'm sorry, who's the father? Like, it's is it Anakin? Like, that's why there was much less of a, like, questioning or scandal around her being pregnant without a visible husband or a visible father. But the real, like, climax of this conversation is that Brea says to Padme that she's lucky because her children aren't bound to politics the way that mine are. And <laughs> just like it, just like you know for this entire conversation that like when they're both both of these women who like have such respect for each other and are so like powerful are talking about their future children we know that they're talking about the same person. We know nobody touch me about no. Leia. Like nobody touch me. Like daughter and Brea's daughter are the same person. Don't and touch me. It just all comes to a crux when she says, "Like your children aren't bound to politics the way that mine are." But I are Padme's children are bound to politics because they are Brea's children, and it's just this circle of you have the same child and uh i don't know what you're talking about but i'm like totally fine so um (laughs) like also but also like don't touch me (laughs) yeah like oh my gosh it's oh like i i oh it just like 
breaks my heart over it. Like these books, like the last few parts, the last few moments of these books have such a unique way of just like splitting your heart open. Um, Mm -hmm. And you could see this in this book. You see this in Leia, Princess of Alderaan. um, But there's just such a unique way of completely ripping your heart out for these characters in a whole new way that you didn't think was possible. And, oh man, like if, if it has to do with Leia, you already know I'm going to be in my feels. So this has me very emo. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It is just that, that whole scene and that conversation with, Padme and Brea is just so heartbreaking but also heartwarming because you see how similarly they would have raised their children and you see like the love that they like are so ready to give their children and so you see that like basically everything about Padme's visit to Alderaan just reinforces that like while Padme didn't have a choice in where her children went like this would have been something that she could have chosen and something that she would have approved of at the very least. And it just yeah. warms your heart. And like whenever Bale and Brea and Padme are all talking about their potential future children together and we know that it's all the same child. We know that it, they're talking about Leia Organa and they, they're talking about the same wonderful child and they just don't know it yet i'm not crying you're crying um (laughs) um yeah it's just it's too much it's it's actually too much for me to for me to take um so because i like obviously leia is my favorite character but i also have so much love for padme too and for bale and brea so when you combine all of those together it's just like my brain kind of like melts so um yeah i i love it so much please give me more of this type of content lucasfilm i'm begging you like please um but yeah and then the next time that we see padme is in attack of the clones so we see her in this movie and this is where we really like film wise. I mean, obviously we see her in Phantom Menace, but film wise, this is where we really get to know Padme. Yeah. Um, there's so much deception around her story arc, which is the point of her story arc in Phantom Menace, but there's so much there. It's like, you don't really get to know her and here we do. Yeah. In this movie, we really get to know Padme and we really get to know her in the context of, of her relationship with Anakin too. And because that's a huge plot point, or I guess like just plot arc of this movie and of Revenge of the Sith is their relationship. Um, Tumultuous and tragic, but also beautiful. And I think that in this movie, you know, in, in Attack of the Clones, we see that she and Anakin are really similar it's just the way that they manifest their emotions and their impulses are very different, but they are really similar. Um, you know, like they are kind of hot headed a little bit and, you know, Padme can be reckless, but she's able to recognize and kind of compartmentalize it a little bit better than Anakin. Whereas Anakin is like, Oh, 
like I'm going to fly off the handle now. Bye. Um, but yeah, I think that we really get to see her character, you know, come into her own in this movie. We get to see her as Senator and we get to see her developing a relationship with Anakin, which I love. And, um, Mm -hmm. and we get so many good looks in this movie um, like a ton. All of the work. She changes her yeah. outfit so many times in this. And in the yeah. movie, like, because she changes her outfit a lot in Phantom Menace, but again, with Phantom Menace, it's all about the deception. It's all about the, like, hiding her identity. Like, we don't really get to see Padme. We see Queen Amidala, but we don't get to see Padme as much in, like, the outfits and what happens in Phantom Menace. But Attack of the Clones is where she comes to shine. Yeah, she, like, really came to serve in this movie. Like, like she, like, was really serving. And I am so happy about it. Um, but yeah, she, we get a lot of that side of her character in that movie. And I think it's really important, especially, you know, it's important to the foundation of her character, especially going into the final movie. Um, but we we need all of this content. Because even though it might seem, you know, like secondary or whatever, it's important to the motivation of the characters and it's important to this trilogy story. Um, It's the middle chapter. So, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of, you know, filling content to bridge the gap. But this is, I feel like this is one of like the more, this is like a pleasant middle chapter. Um, not to say that there isn't like, you know, tough stuff going on, but there's a lot of good stuff happening too, which makes this movie really fun to watch. Um, we love we love the yeah. clowns around here, so yeah, know that. like big AOTC stands. Yep. Um, and then, and I think I mentioned this in our first episode, but we also get a ton of Padme content in the Clone Wars series, and I mentioned this I. I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but for me, you know, I watched the, I watched the prequels when I was, gro- when, like, when I was little, but the Clone Wars really reinvigorated that love for me, and it really made me fall in love with these movies and these characters in a whole new way that I hadn't really before, and that mm-hmm. goes for Padme, too, and I loved every, everything that I saw from her in this show. I like gained a whole new love for her and I am so glad like that show was a gift it really is and it's something that like I definitely largely attribute to a lot of my feelings that I have for the prequels um because oh yeah it I mean yeah it just it it came it was like I was like right at the right age when it was like even though I wasn't like actively watching it. I started watching it, I think, when I was, like, 16 or 17, but, like, it's still enjoyable to watch now as I'm approaching 22, and, um, yeah, I just think that it's such, it's such a good source of supplementary content to the movies because you're getting so much content. Like, we, you're getting so many episodes and you're getting yeah, and really, all these different so, storylines. It's character-driven, and it really does inform the characters and the choices that they make, and it, it deepens the emotional impact of, like, Revenge of the Sith, and, like, it is... 
very good. Yeah, and we also get to see a lot of a lot more interactions between her and Anakin, which yeah. like we get to see them like love a that. married couple without her being pregnant. We get to see them like we also get to see her like be have female friendships outside of just her handmaidens because her handmaidens are a very specific bond that is is a little bit deeper and more intense than friendship and we see her be able to be like casual like fun friends with people like she goes like whenever she gets to go out like with Ahsoka on like an adventure or something it's just so fun and refreshing and just this like female friendships we always need more of them in Star Wars and like it, it's it's always so great to see her be able to explore that way like we see you know there's a whole like one of the greatest episode arcs of the Clone Wars is heroes on both sides and that is driven by Padme and her ability to have this compassion for people and for you know she says like she's gonna go visit her friend who is a separatist and Ahsoka is like I'm sorry what's happening they're the enemy they're bad like we are fighting them in the war and Padme is able to kind of open her eyes and say like yes they are like they're they are but shouldn't we be finding solutions past violence and like this doesn't mean that like I'm not still her friend like we're still able to be friendly with each other and to talk and debate and negotiate with each other and it's just she sets such good examples in the Clone Wars yeah absolutely I love yeah I love the story arc that we get for her specifically in that show because yeah we get to see a lot of the gray area that we don't get to see in the movie and like for me it's like i i live for the supplementary content i really do like like <laughs> it fuels me um but yeah and then once we segue from clone wars we get to the final chapter of her story which is revenge of the sith and i hate to mention this as like the pinnacle of her story in this movie but unfortunately it kind of is and it's the fact that Padme dies in this movie yeah. and or it's the fact that, like she was <sighs> pregnant like yep you know, there are many moments yep. that you can very much pinpoint in all of Star- in pretty much anything in Star Wars you can be like well this was written by a man because like this is not how kind of how it works and you see like you know Padme spends like almost the entirety of her pregnancy just kind of like after two full movies of Padme being this like amazing senator who is like ready to like go and fight and be on the front lines and to be out there like now suddenly that she's pregnant she like doesn't move she like never leaves her apartment which is like not how pregnancy works like maybe when you're last like, <laughs> or so of being pregnant like it can be harder to move but like it she yeah it she <laughs> she very much gets sidelined and like the excuse of it is her pregnancy and then like when she finally does move and leave like it doesn't end well. And she, you know, goes to confront Anakin on Mustafar, which pretty much anything she does before that, like, 
And unfortunately, there are a lot of deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith where we see her, like, talking with Bail Organa and Mothma, like, starting the seeds of the rebellion, knowing the out, knowing how the Clone Wars are about to end. But they unfortunately get cut. So really all we see her do is kind of sit around her apartment and be like, maybe we should go home to Naboo. Like, we should do this. Which, like, obviously there's something that women do when they're pregnant is think about their future and think about, like, what they want to do, where they want to raise their kids, how they want to raise their kids. But, like, that's not the entirety of their life when they're pregnant. And that's kind of all we get to see her do. And then, yeah, she goes to confront Anakin on Mustafar and... Then she kind he kind of hurts her, but not enough to actually hurt her, but enough to stress her into starting labor. And then she dies of a broken heart. Which uh, I just I like. <laughs> nope. I mean. Yeah, like I don't accept that. I so don't accept it. You could have ended her story, and also, like, if you know your female character well enough, like it's Padme Amidala, like watching this republic that she tried to fight for and tried to keep together for so long, like officially crumble before her eyes. Watching her marriage and her husband like fall away to the dark side, like. Of course, those are awful, traumatic things. But if you've watched Padme Amidala do anything over these movies, that would only invigorate her to fight even more. Not to just say, like, peace out, I'm done with this world. Goodbye, cruel world, we're done. Especially after having two children. Like, she just had two children. And apparently she doesn't have the, like, the will in her to just continue and, like, raise her children? I mean, if there's one thing that we keep learning over and over and over again, it's that, like, men don't understand pregnancy and motherhood, and they don't know how to write it. And you need to get women in your writer's rooms. You need to get women behind the scenes to say, that doesn't happen. Like this don't work. Like, this this don't make no sense. Uh So, um... Like, make it make sense. Oh, wait, you can't because it doesn't. So, yeah, no, it's like time and time again we see in media and in real life, unfortunately, that, you know, people who are um, controlling these narratives and not only narratives, but also maybe like legislation, for example, it's just like we – you know, like this is not how this works. And if we had – two or more women up in here helping decide this, you would immediately be shut down. Like, no, this, sorry. Like, it's not how that works. So, yeah, I just get more women in your writer's room, please. Um, Because I just, for her to endure everything she endures and then for her to die of a broken heart just, like, doesn't add up to me. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, she's gone through so much. And, like, for that to be the end, like, I don't accept that. Do you, so, do you have any headcanons that are, like, if the Revenge of the Sith didn't happen or, like, just a, a fix-it headcanon for specifically Padme's death? Um, For me, I – and it's not even, like, 
because ultimately my head canon like it's not yeah it's mainly just directed tor- towards padme it's not as if revenge of the sith didn't happen it's if as if revenge of the sith maybe happened differently um because i feel like anakin's path is fixed and there's nothing that i can there's nothing that can really be done at this point in this movie to change right. that um but i feel like for padme I just would love if she could have these children and just like maybe go off in hiding and like raise them and like become a mom. And I don't, you know, obviously she would have to like, I don't know, witness protection program, maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but she'd have, have to do to something. Die or something at some point. But just the way that it is handled. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, no, I would, I would prefer like, maybe it be more like natural cause ish like me like i would like her to actually get to spend time with her kids what how however long that may be but like actually get to spend time like with her kids rather than her like birthing her kids and then being like like she dies like mm-hmm. which is essentially what happens so it's kind of like okay and like she gives them names and that's right. literally it so you can have like complications in childbirth happen like people can like die in childbirth. yes it, it happens unfortunately with some frequency but like they don't even do that it wasn't even like because of all the stress because of like the events that just took place like she's having complications and we can't save her it's just like no she died of a broken heart her body is fine but she has yeah they could have yeah there could have been an like a medical like response where yeah exactly like there could have been complications there could have been something that happened but no it had to be like inherently tied to Anakin and I just I I don't really like have a lot of positive words about it (laughs) my favorite headcanon is just pretending that Revenge of the Sith like doesn't happen and like how does it like Oh my gosh, that's like the that's the best. <laughs> that's the like, best one. Pretending that Revenge of the Sith doesn't happen, and then be like, "All right, so how does like Anakin and Padme literally having two children pan out? Like, how does that happen?" And my favorite headcanon is just that like Padme stays and is the senator like on Coruscant, and like Anakin just because let's be real, they're not that secretive about it. Like people know, like you know that there are rumors. Like yep. everyone just kind of knows that like. Anakin and Padme are a thing, but, like, they're in the middle of a war. No one's too worried about it right now. It's very low on people's priority list. And I like to think that, like, Anakin would just, like, walk around with Luke and Leia, like, at all times. And people would be like, so those are your kids, right? And be like, what? No. What are you talking about? Like, he would deny that, like, two people's face that, like, they were his children because doing so would be, like, getting kicked out of the Jedi Order. And he doesn't want to do that, but he also, like, wants to raise his kids. So he just takes his kids everywhere, and he's like, no, I'm just, like, helping Padme. I'm just, like, well, like, just, co- they constantly have, like, the, the excuses just get worse and worse and worse. And everyone's just like, we know yeah. they're kids. Like, at this point, we're just gonna let it go. And he's like, no, they're not. They're not my kids. Like, that. that's how I would, like, in, like, my fun, happy brain, that's where I want it to, like, play out, is just Anakin being, like, what are you talking about? I don't have kids. I'm like they're literally right there. You're holding them. They're on your lap. You're like I don't have any kids. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, 
I mean, yeah, he's going to stick to his guns no matter what. Like, like that's just who he is. So, like, do we expect anything less? No, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's like that's that's literally yeah that's like literally who he is um but yeah no i yeah like i am like it's not even like yeah my my head cannon yeah my ultimate head cannon is like i don't know i i hate to use this term because it's like so frequently used in like a negative way towards the sequel trilogy and that content but like for lack of a better term like in my mind i kind of like retcon revenge of the sith <laughs> yeah the, you know like just like and not like I hate to use that term because it's like so it does not have like a positive connotation but that's the only thing I can think about and it's just because it's like how nice would it be if we can just imagine that Padme and Anakin get married and everything's happy in the end yep. everything's like, happy and nice nothing bad happens and like, great. yeah nothing nothing bad ever happens Padme doesn't die and the end so yeah um yeah, I I wish. <laughs> I'll just live forever in that happy little head cannon, I guess. Um yeah, it's <laughs> it's the reality. It's a sad reality. Um but yeah. I think that does a pretty good job at summing up her character. Yeah, I I want to um, I want to ask just because I think that Padme does influence like the galaxy and the re- like her family. Mm-hmm going forward and like what do you see like looking at her kids like luke and leia like do you think that like one of them is more like padme than the other like do you see like do you see her influence either in like the rebellion and the galaxy or just like in her children because like there is a nature versus nurture thing like obviously like they're affected by growing up on tatooine and you know alderaan but like they're, they're still, they still have their parents. Like, you still get stuff from your parents. And so, like, do you see Padme in in her kids? Being the Leia stan that I am, uh, I want to tie them together, like, in every way possible. Um, but I see... I see it in both, and I see it, I see it in Luke in the way that he 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 wants to do something he just doesn't know what that looks like yet when we first see him and he just knows that he's like he he does i don't even think he knows that he's meant to serve a greater purpose or maybe he does but he he knows that there's more beyond what he's been exposed to and he wants to he wants to see see more and do more and i think that we can see that from Padme, especially in Queen's Shadow, when she's like in that transitional period of now I have all this time and now I get to decide what I get to do next and where am I going to go? And with Leia, like I could literally go on for hours, but I'll keep it short. Um, With Leia, I think you definitely, like there's so many aspects because she's, well, you have to look at, yeah, definitely like nature versus nurture. Luke is raised by moisture farmers Leia is raised by Bale and Brea who are involved in politics and who do have a political background. So that clearly like has an effect on her, but you can see so much of her, even from when she's young is her tact and her strategy and her skill and all of these things that you see in Padme at a really young age. 
And I think it is, I think it's a combination of nature versus nurture. I think that it is influenced. Yeah. I think, I think it is a combination, but I think that it does. I think with Leia, um, I think that nurture largely plays a role because she's in that environment. Like she's exposed to it from day one. Um, but and as far as her impact on the galaxy whether it be in the rebellion the resistance what have you i think ultimately padme's legacy is going to live on in the ideals that she fought for and so you know whether that whether that be you know like justice throughout the galaxy or making sure that you know like she mentions in um she mentions in Queen's Shadow about how she like wants to uh, provide a space for, you know, she wants to rescue people from planets, for lack of a better word. She wants to go and like buy slaves, but then to just, you know, like rescue them. Like she'll purchase them, but then she'll right. free them. And I think that when you look at those ideals and when you look at what she was doing from a really young age and you see what the resistance and the rebellion fight for, and they're ultimately fighting for liberation and for justice in the galaxy, you see her influence in that. And it might not be directly influenced by just her, but it is for, it is influenced by the ideals that she held while she was still alive. And I definitely think that like the creation, like, I mean, we see it in deleted scenes that, unfortunately didn't make it in the movie but she really did help spark that rebellion and it helps to she helps just to create this this fight in Bill Organa in Mon Mothma that they're able to move past you know this this ultimate defeat in that you know when the senate when the republic wins the clone wars and they know that it's not a win they know that it's leading to this empire and they're able to i think padme is really that strength where they're able to say like we can keep fighting and we can go on like no matter how hard it may be and how long it may take so i really see her in that and in in reading Princess Leia of Alderaan, which we'll get to, you know, eventually, that Bale and Brea are very aware of Padme and her legacy and Naboo when they're raising Leia. And, you know, while, while they can't tell her that explicitly, like, we, we see it implied in ways that, you know, they they want her to be, you know, this strong similar person to her mother and I think that I think that Leia has a lot more Anakin in her than I think we tend to give her credit for just because she te- she resides in the same circles that Padme did where she is you know in the senate in politics but I think she has more more of Anakin in her than we think um but I think that in Luke, I see a lot of Padme, actually, and I see his, like, that peace and that drive and that balance I think that Padme had is in that just, like, inherent goodness and that inherent, like, drive to want 
to do something good and to do something and to make something better. And that he see, like we see we, when we, when we meet Luke on Tatooine, like he hasn't seen any battles. He hasn't seen any action. Like he, in a very different realm than his mother, where Padme was very, very young when she like entered into this political scene, but Luke didn't have that opportunity until he was young, but he knew that there was a conflict and he knew what side he wanted to fight for. And he knew that he was, he wanted to fight for the rebellion and he wanted to defeat the empire. And I think a lot of that is Padme. I mean, you, there's a lot of that idealism that I think comes straight from his mother. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that too. But yeah, so I think that I think that's where we will end with our lovely Padme Amidala. Yes, this is this is our take on Padme and our you know, trying to cover as much content as we can. Obviously, there's so so much when you look to like the books and the comics and what have you, but this is like primary source material that we've been given. Um with a large focus on Queen Shadow because it has recently been, re- it's recently come out. So it's like the most current, you know, frame of reference that we've been given. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love character driven episodes. I think they're so fun. Um, and I just love that we are doing this to bridge the gap from Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones. I think it's really cool because she plays such a huge role. Like, in these movies and in the story. So it's only fair. Um, but yeah, I love, I, I love that we got to do this. Yeah. So to close us out, we actually have a couple, we have two five-star reviews on iTunes. Like, are y'all trying but to make me cry I, or something? I texted because... Delaney as soon as I saw these because for whatever reason, like we, like I don't get notified, like we don't get not- notifications when these happen. So I just like happened to look and I was like, Oh my gosh. People actually gave us reviews. People actually, this is amazing. And like, yeah, and like not just reviews, but five star reviews, which is like, it, like, I, and I say this when we talk about Patreon too, but just getting feedback for this is like, it floors me. Like, I, the fact that people like actually listen to us, like, floors me completely. So, um, I, I'm going to read the first one that we got, which is from Jarvis is great with an eight. Um, and it says this podcast is such a fun and refreshing. Listen, the hosts have, have a wonderful energy discussing their love for star Wars. It's the positive attitude needed in this fandom. I can't wait to hear more as we get closer to the rise of Skywalker. And that's so sweet. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> and I'm going to read the other one. Um, it's just uh, The title is just A Great New Star Wars Podcast. Um, and the name is Chuckles3239. It said, I love the concept of this show and the hosts are fun and engaging. For so long, for me, Star Wars was about the ships. And then the new movies came out and I started caring more about the characters. This led me to find out more about characters from other movies and hang out on the periphery of Star Wars Twitter, which led me here. I'm glad I found this podcast and I look forward to hearing more about Star Wars stories from these two in the future. Thank you. 
I mean, we got to give it up for Star Wars Twitter because yeah, that's why we're Earth here Twitter too. Is a magical place. So it can also be a dumpster fire, but it's great. I mean, you yeah. can cultivate your experience. Like you, if you need to block yeah. someone, block them. Like just you have to do what's good for you. But yeah, we would not be here for one for Star Wars Twitter. There's so many amazing people that we've both met through Star Wars Twitter and. I owe so much to Star Wars Twitter, like honestly. So for so many relationships and friendships that I have with people. Um, but yeah, I it's like it really occurred to me when we were at when I was at celebration, like, oh wow, like I'm meeting these people in real life and these are real people and these are real friendships 100%. and this is wild to me. <laughs> like these aren't yeah, it's so crazy. Um, but yeah, if you're not, if a nice little nice little segue, if you're not on Twitter, come join yeah. us on Twitter. Um, we are our podcast account on Twitter is at aws underscore podcast. My personal account is at Delaney Organa and Brooklyn. Where can people find you? You can find me at Brooklyn Bound, and the O's are zeros. And do you want to mention our lovely Patreon? Yes. So we have a Patreon where you can come and get – we have some free content that we post there. We also have content that will is exclusive to whatever tier you want to come and support us at. And we are so grateful for the people who have already done that. Um, also, a disclaimer, we are doing a bit of a backlog on recording. So um, if you are a patron in the future – uh, within the next like two weeks or so, we probably you probably won't be you won't you'll be right on here, but we still love you anyway. Um, but our patrons at the moment of this recording are Greg, Nick, and Kayla, and we are so grateful for you. Um, and with that, I think all that's left to say is may the force be with you. May the force be with you. 